Hey friends, welcome to the Fierce Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Dora Swift. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm excited to have you with us. And if you're new around here, I want to warmly welcome you. And Fierce Calling is all about talking with people who are taking action where their passion, compassion, and conviction intersect, which is what I call a fierce calling. And they're using their God-given gifts to impact the world for Christ because I want to encourage others that they too have gifts and to step out of any doubt they have and into their fierce calling. And you know, the world needs our gifts, friends. It's just a crazy world out there right now. And I know it can really lay heavy on our hearts, all the things that are going on and how the enemy is trying to attack our identities and our next generation coming up. It's just really crazy how all that is happening. So much spiritual warfare, but God is sovereign. He is on the throne and we are called to encourage one another and lift each other up, which is what 1 Thessalonians 5 11 tells us to do. You are going to be so encouraged by today's episode. But first, a word from Access More. Do you want to go deeper in your faith even while you're on the go? No matter how busy the season you're in, Access More has a library of faith-based podcasts to help you grow spiritually. With podcasts from Christian thought leaders such as Christine Kane, Lisa Harper, Taryn Wells, and Bob Goff, you can hear podcasts on religion, culture, family, entertainment, and so much more. Access More gives you a safe space to find inspiring conversations about faith. Start listening today at accessmore.com. Welcome back to the Fierce Calling Podcast. Today, I'm excited to welcome my friend, Angelie Pascal. She is a wife and a mom, and she is also the author of Stay, which came out in 2020. And she grew up encircled by an orange grove in San Diego, which I love that picture in my mind. Um, After graduating from Point Loma Nazarene University, she earned her master's degree in spiritual formation and soul care from Talbot Seminary. She currently lives in Southern California with her husband, Sam, and the, yep, five kiddos. She is the founder of the Moms We Love Club and writes regularly for Encourage, and that is an amazing um, platform. If you all haven't checked that out, you should check that out, Encourage. It's kind of connected to Day Spring, and it's you know, really encouraging for sure. And yeah, so, and we are going to talk about her new book that came out, Awake. And I'm going to read you the, the subtitle is Paying Attention to What Matters Most in a World That's Pulling You Apart. And as we're talking, if you're not driving a car, I would want you to open up another tab so you can pull up this book and look at the cover. I love it. This is the most fun cover. I know you've got a lot of questions and, you know, about how this came about is so fun and I love it so much. So welcome to the show, Angelie. It's so oh great my to have you. It's just so wonderful to be here, Doris. Thank you for having me on. Thank you. I love your message, Awake. And, um, you know, your first other book in 2020 was Stay. Was that your first book? Book traditionally published. Yep. Okay. And so it, it kind of is, has been like a journey of connecting these messages uh, that you've been sharing. So I would love if you would share a little bit about your story and how you're taking action where your passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Sure. Well, I think you, where do we start? Right. Um, mm-hmm. 
I think all those things are really connected. Our stories are um, foundational and out of that comes our passion and compassion, you know? And so I would say I grew up in a Christian home. My parents were actually missionaries here in San Diego uh, and they worked with international students. And so I grew up very much in uh, the mission mindset in a Christian home. Uh, you know, really, I loved Jesus. I think that was a very true thing since I was young. But then there came a point probably around college, right? Those young 20s where you're really questioning who you are and who God is and sovereignty versus free will. And, you know, and I really came to a place where I, I asked myself these similar thoughts and questions of, I know a lot about God, but I actually feel pretty miserable inside. And I couldn't reconcile the two. It was like, why? I mean, I, I, sh because I know the love of God and I know Jesus and I'm born again, I should feel pretty amazing, but I didn't Doris. I felt very lonely. I felt very confused. I felt very, um, like I was just barely making it so to speak. And so at that time I ended up going on a three week isolated retreat. Um, it was literally alone. Like I was on a Island in a cabin alone for three weeks with no phone, none of the stuff, you know, and it was really a time to like figure out some of those things, because if the Christian life isn't something that could make me come out of this miserable state, then for me at that time was like, well, then it's not true. Right. Mm -hmm. If, if the abundant, abundant life is promised, but yet I'm basically eating cotton and dry bones, like something's wrong and I want to figure it out. So it was really through that experience that transformed my knowledge of God to my experience of God. And it was really eye-opening and which kind of led to this journey of what you said before of writing my first book, Stay, was really about staying with those painful places, mm -hmm. staying with your anxiety, guilt, fear, and then awake is answering the next question of like, well, as you stay, where is God? Thank you so much for sharing that. And I love how you are vulnerable to share those parts of your life so that others can find healing and answers to through seeking God, because you, you just needed to take time away where it was just you and him and that it's okay when we have those kind of feelings. I think sometimes and you've probably experienced this too, when people say to you, thank you for telling me that this is okay, like that this can be a normal feeling and how it's really God drawing us closer to him, right? So tell us a little bit more about when was that season in your life that you took that journey to, you know, be alone with the Lord for those three weeks? And then was there something significant and specific during that time that you recall, or was it just overall the whole experience? Yeah, that's such impactful. a great question. I think it was uh, when I was actually in seminary. So here I am, I'm like, you know, an expert Christian at seminary, and I just am on the verge of walking away from my faith and um, really dark thoughts, really hard time. And I was literally forced into this three week retreat. It was a part of my uh, uh, requirements to graduate. And the whole concept and idea was if you can't go to those dark places, you cannot take people through them. And so it was literally, you're going to this cabin, you're going to wrestle with God and your story and 
see what happens. You know, <laughs> I was like, oh my gosh, okay. This is tell, talking to a person who loves to avoid pain and wants to run away from pain. You know, I was, I was an expert at that. And so um, on that retreat, it was about two weeks in. And I mean, I had journaled like hundreds of pages. I was so miserable, Doris. I was a wreck. And I remember writing these words, like, I hate myself. I remember writing that and thinking almost like an, as another person, like, oh, I wonder why you hate yourself so much. You know, it was just like, what's, what is like at the core of it, there was this real hate, you know, of like, I hate that I can't save myself. I hate that I can't fix this. I hate that I would actually need God. And I went on this walk and, uh, I remember sitting, it was in gig Har off uh, gig Harbor, Washington. I don't, um, there's a little Island called Fox Island, almost a desolate Island. Hardly anyone lives there I was sitting on this fence. And in this moment of like, I'm, I think I hate, I think like, I finally realized I've been running away from how much I hate myself and I'm embracing it for the first time. And I'm sitting on this fence and this stranger comes up to me and I'm sitting on this fence. And she says to me, I don't know who you are, but gosh, I get emotional remembering this. She's like, I don't know who you are, but I just want you to know, I, I saw you sitting on this fence and I had to come talk to you because I, I want to know if you're an angel. And it was this moment of like, when I am in the pit of self-pity and self-destruction and self-hate, it was like, God sees me as an angel, you know? And it was just beautiful moment of like this rescue that I could never control or manipulate. And so it's been a journey from there of like, wow, this thing, this place that I'm so scared of inside of me, unless I go there, I will never know the love of God. Wow. Such a deep connection with God. And, you know, and we do, we tend to run from pain or cover it with things and stuff it down and not really deal with it or, you know, know how to deal with it or even realize sometimes that that's what it is. Cause sometimes we don't even know what it is and can't name it. And so it, it just keeps plaguing us. So when you were writing this book awake, I know that it takes us through like a journey of awakening to different things. So tell us about that and, and what you would want the reader to have experienced once they get to the finish line of this book. Sure. A lot of writing this book was about trying to resolve an anxiety inside of me. It was an anxiety I felt every morning and every night, but during the day I could kind of distract myself from it. And the anxiety was, I'm afraid I'm missing life. I don't want to get to the end of my life and look back, Lord willing, on 80, 90 years and look back and say, well, I gave it a good try, but I didn't really save our life. I didn't enjoy it. I didn't give glory to God. I didn't worship, you know, all those things. And it would just be this little anxiety that just kind of drove me uh, and kind of drove me crazy. And so as I started to write, I want, I got, I was like, Lord, there has to be another way because I'm tired of chasing. I'm tired of achieving. I'm trying to perform. I'm trying to get somewhere where I don't even know where I'm trying to get Mm -hmm. and I'm exhausted. And I just don't want to live like that anymore. 
And so part of writing this book was to resolve that anxiety. And I have to tell you, I got through the end of my first draft, right? Like 60,000 words. And I was like, yeah, I still feel anxious. <laughs> I did it. <laughs> I'm missing it. And so I really started over in a lot of ways. And I started with this question and I'll even, I'll, I'll ask you this. It's, it was the question of, of, for me of when, and I asked friends, family, kids, everybody, when in your life have you been the most awake? Mm. And everyone's responses absolutely shocked me because I kept waiting for people to be like, when on my wedding day or when I had my baby or got my degree or got my car or my house, no one said any of that stuff. Yeah. You know what they said, Doris? They said, gosh, I was in college and I was sitting on my dorm room floor and I told my roommate everything I'd ever done. And she just sat with me with a box of Kleenex and loved me. It was that time when I was on a hike in the middle of nowhere and I saw a shooting star and it was like, just for me, or it was that time when I was like in a counseling session and I was sitting with a friend and I was just listening to them and for, and words came out of my mouth that I didn't even know were mine. And so it was, everyone talked about awakeness and their experiences of awakeness were not things they had ever accomplished, but things they had received in connection with God and community and their calling. And it just blew my mind. It just completely transformed the way I look at life because being awake has nothing to do with what you achieve, accomplish or complete, but everything to do with connection to God, community and others. And it was just like, oh, I have nothing to be anxious about because all I have to do is receive the life God's given me. Thank you for listening to this episode that is part of the Spark Media Network that can now be heard on the Edify app. Oh, I have nothing to be anxious about because all I have to do is receive the life God's given me. So beautiful and so powerful too. And it is awake awakening to know that people feel the closest and more awake when they are operating their gifts. Yeah. Just sitting still and being still. And because that's true. I mean, you can think of those milestone days in your life, but oftentimes it gets clouded because of all the hoopla and everything like, you know, your wedding day, like, do you remember really every moment of it? Because there's so much, oftentimes there's stress leading up to it with all the planning and all that. And then you're there and you're like, okay, this is wonderful. And, and then it's like, oh, it's over. And, you know, we can't have that kind of connection with God where we're only looking for the mountaintop experiences. Right. Yes. And we spend a lot of our life chasing the mountaintop experience thinking that when we get there when we have the baby when we get the job when and it's like those are great and i'm i'm not going to diminish those things they're really lovely but i'm not gonna be like a duck with my feet underwater trying to get there anymore yeah so i mean even that question like when do you think you've been the most awake are there moments that come to mind yeah i think that oftentimes it's when I'm listening to God, listening to other people who are sharing things that they're 
struggling with or going through. And it just, because I know whenever I minister to, you know, women, because I, I do that and just ask the Holy Spirit, just allow me to hear and to know what it is that you want me to to tap into here so that I can help him the words to say, and, uh, you know, just kind of those, those moments, or even, you know, with my family, like, you know, precious moments that are things that you can't manufacture. No. And that, I think that's a key word. You actually can't control it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people struggle, don't they? Because we try to make things happen. Totally. Yeah. And that's where the anxiety comes, right? Mm -hmm. Because we want this thing. We want, I don't know, a birthday party to go a certain way, you know, or that date to go a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then the anxiety of like, I have to make it happen because if it doesn't happen, then I won't have the good life or the good thing. And I think you asked me earlier of what do I hope women walk away from if they finish my book? It would be just that I want women to know you can have the life you want and you don't have to lose your soul trying to get it. Mm. And when I say life, I don't mean the baby, the car, the dog, you know, the vacation. What I mean is what you really want because what you really want is peace and love and contentment and joy and gratitude and Mm. integrity and intimacy, like that's possible. And you don't have to lose your mind trying to give it. It's available for you. Those are precious words right there. Mm -hmm. Because I think if we could just take expectations out of our lives, like the, the expectations we come up with, we put on ourselves, we put on other people, continually set us up for disappointments when, and then we're not really paying attention to what God's really wanting to do. He's like, well, wait a minute. I never said you should do that, or you were supposed to do that, or they're going to do that. But his promises are always true. And we can always trust him that he is faithful. So I love how this message allows women to kind of stop for a minute and really, you know, sometimes we just have to be still and take account. And sometimes, I mean, being still means just being quiet, not necessarily not moving or doing, which is being quiet. Yeah. And being still is like, it comes with listening, right? Cause it's like, mm-hmm. what I, it's that question. What do you really want? Right. What do you really want? Because you're kind of losing your mind over like your house looking a certain way and what people would think of your house. Right. But yeah. is that what you really want? Do you really want a new couch, a new rug, perfect pictures hanging on the wall. No, what you really want is to give people a home Mm. or what you really want is to create a safe place, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Listening, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Listening. That's so good. And you're right, because if that's the mindset we have, no matter how many new pieces of furniture or whatever we do, it's never going to really be good enough. Because there's always going to be something more that we think, oh, well, we have to do this yeah. or that, you know, and, and rather than that, focusing on the heart of hospitality, what that really means and yes. making it more of a home rather than worrying about the, you know, the, the house. <laughs> yeah. It sounds like you're speaking from experience. Doris. Yeah. No, I know. I mean, especially if you're 
kind of raised in that mindset of you, you know, things need to be in order before somebody can come over totally. or if somebody comes to the door, you know, Oh no, I have dishes in the sink. Well, that's good because then they're going to feel good because they're not going to feel so bad about their dishes in the sink at their house. You know, <laughs> It's literally my favorite home Real. to go into where mm. there's like goldfish on the floor. There's laundry on the couch, <laughs> right? It's then because then that, that creates a space for me to be like, oh, I can be messy. Yeah. If yes. you're okay with your messy, I, you can be okay with my messy. Yeah. Cause it really speaks into what the person really values and, you know, like what they feel is more important and that's yeah. the people, you know, in our lives, you know, God first and then the people in our lives. Oh my goodness. I used yeah. to always, I don't have kids and diapers anymore, but I don't know. I always, I don't know why I did this. It was just habit probably, but I would always, if there was a dirty diaper, I would just like throw it out the front door, like not, <laughs> not into the neighbor's yard, but like on my, the, on my doormat, you know? Mm-hmm. And then I just remember like my one, my brother-in-law commenting right now one time, like, we love coming to your house because we just know there'll always be a dirty diaper waiting for us. And it's like, <laughs> oh yeah, I guess that's not always like Aww. the most welcoming, but <laughs> it also made them feel like so comfortable to come in and yeah. if their kids had dirty diapers, they didn't, I don't <laughs> care if you change it on my couch or my floor, like come in, everything's welcome. Yeah. That's so endearing. <laughs> Having the dirty diaper as a welcome yeah. mat. That welcome. is awesome. <laughs> I love that. So, and I also love that you studied soul care. Yeah. How did that tie into this or how does that um, help you in how you also minister to other people? Well, I think a very catchphrase in our culture is self-care. I think for sure there's, um, there can be a tendency to be a doormat for people. Mm -hmm. Um, but then, you know, sometimes it swings the other way where it's like only what I want when I want it on my terms, you know, it can swing the other direction too. And I think the pain of self-care is that it's, it's isolated. Mm-hmm. And I think soul care is, well, self-care is I'm caring for myself. Yeah. Soul care is another is caring for me. And I love that because self-care only goes so far, right? But soul care is um, in communion with God, who God is the one who cares for our souls. And so a lot of engaging in life and waking up is paying attention to the way God cares for our souls. And I love the imagery of God as a, um, a kind surgeon, right? Mm-hmm. A surgeon, a heart surgeon or a brain surgeon, like they are so careful. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a very, I mean, right. Uh, heart surgery can be hours and hours long. You know, it's not just this immediate, give them a shot. They're all better. It's like they take out other things and it's a slow. And I think that's the way God is with us, our souls. Um, What's in there that's disordered Mm. and God cares for our souls and putting the disorder back into order. And that's oftentimes a little painful, Mm -hmm. um, but it's for the good so that our souls are nurtured. Yeah. That just is so refreshing how you explain that and how you likened it to a brain surgeon or a heart surgeon, because it is so delicate. So delicate. Life or death really, isn't it? Yes. That is so true. Just one little wrong move there could, could cause a lot of um, devastation, but 
as you know, God tells us that he has plans for us and not to harm us. Yeah. So I love that so much. And um, right, can you imagine? And sometimes as a response, right? We're like, yeah. no, 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 no. Like, don't, don't, I don't want to lose that relationship. I don't want to be poor. I don't want to like do endure suffering. Can you imagine like a patient on the surgery table that's like refusing anesthesia? You know, no. you'd be like, no, this is good. I know it hurts to get the shot to get anesthesia, mm-hmm. but it's what you need, you know? And and when it, then when we have that sense of like, oh, this is for my good, it actually gives us a steadfastness. Like, okay, I will endure the yeah. suffering or the struggle because I know my father is good. Yeah, that's so good. And I'm definitely the one that's going to do the anesthesia for sure. <laughs> right? You're like, you're like, I'm the one pulling off the wires. Like, no, I'll figure it out another way. <laughs> yeah. Nope. Not me. But, um, but I, but I do love that so much. And, um, you know, how, when he prunes us, it isn't always a pleasant experience, but knowing, like you said, those things in our lives that need to be taken out or changed up um, or healed, you know, that he takes care of that for us and it's so worth it. And yeah, that's this powerful stuff there. So tell us about, so you have five kiddos, right? So what, what are their ages? How do, what is the range there? Oh, here we go. Ready? 15 tomorrow, 13, 10, eight, and four. Oh, so I'm on one hand, I'm like, (laughs) disciplining for him being on a YouTube channel that he's not supposed to be on. And then I turn around and say, like, make sure you wipe your bottom in the bathroom. A lot of that. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It's just such a picture of how God has to sometimes care for us because some days he's telling us, no, I don't think that's good for you. And, you know, but it's like we have these different levels of maturity in our spiritual walk sometimes. So it's kind of, I know. But I love that. And, and you are the founder of the Moms We Love Club. Yeah. So tell us more about that because that's, yeah. that's interesting. It really is. So, you know, I think when I look, you look back about the history of mothers, a way many mothers used to connect was going to a well, right? So you would walk with your friends and your community and go get water in the morning and go get water in the evening. And many times uh, that was their community. And so we live in a modern society where there are not wells that we walk to. Uh, But I really found that the more uh, I was paying attention is, oh, where are all these moms hanging out? And they were hanging out on social media. So at 9 a.m., at 11 a.m., after nap time, in between ballet class, you know, people are hopping online. And I thought, you know what, there is this pain in the world of mothers who endure long-term suffering. And I'm telling you, when I had five little kids, I felt like I was dying in many ways. It was so hard. Uh, but, But my kids were healthy. I was healthy. My husband was healthy. We had an income, you know, and I could not wrap my mind around a mom doing what I did every day, but also on top of it, enduring a long-term illness. And so really what I did was combine social media and use that as a tool, as a well, so to speak, to be a common place for um, community to support these moms enduring long-term suffering. And so each month we highlight a mom and we support her. We um, raise funds and bring her awareness and prayer and hopefully help pay some medical bills. Mm -hmm. 
I love that so much. And I love how you were talking about the well, you know, meeting at the well and where are moms today meeting and just going, meeting them in their need and meeting them where they are, you know, like Jesus does with us. And so that's really beautiful. I love that. And yeah, because even thinking about gathering, you know, we gather at church, we gather with our friends and people that we know, but sometimes we aren't that engaged with our neighbors in our neighborhood or, you know, and just even getting to know people. Sometimes we need to sit in our backyard just to relax and, you know, get away from things. But sometimes we might need to sit in our front yard just so we can be accessible for people who might want to Connect. You know, chat or connect. Yeah. Totally. So I love how you're doing this with, uh, with moms and honoring moms because it is a fierce calling to be a mom, It is, you know, and, and that's not your only identity Yeah. because our identity is in Christ. So there are also callings besides, you know, motherhood that we have in our lives that he calls us to in different seasons. But I love that you are loving moms well and, and ha- having other moms love moms well. And that other, was my uh, hope. That's my hope. Yeah. Oh, Thank so you. That's precious. So, so tell us how can the listener connect with you and find more about this and get sure. your book and all of those things, Angelique. Thank you so much. Um, I'm always, I'm on, I'm at my well. I'm on social media. You can find me there at lovealways.angeli. And I love talking about real life motherhood. You will see my dirty dishes and my laundry, but no more dirty diapers. I don't post it about that anymore. Um, and then online, I'm also, I have a website, angelipascal.com, where I share about um, different courses and spiritual direction that I offer. Beautiful. And all those links will be in the show notes. So whoever's listening and wants to connect, will be able to find that. And I love how it's so real because social media can be a source of anxiety for so many women when they see something kind of not real, like more artificial or just the best parts of, of life. And so it's, it's great when we can feel free to allow dirty dishes to show, you know, it's like. What are we worrying about? <laughs> yeah. Welcome. Yeah. You will definitely. And if you stay long enough, I'll give you a sponge and you'll help me do those dishes. Nice. <laughs> Love that. So very good. Well, this has been such a joy having you on. And thank you. So, I love it too. Thank you. And I would love to have you on again sometime. I would love that. All right, friend. Well, I'm so excited for this message and, and the message in the book mm. uh, to reach so many and that he would expand your borders wow. and get this message out for thank you, you know? so much. What a gift. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure having <laughs> you. And it's a, it's just so cool. So I will talk to you soon, friend. Okay. God bless you. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening today. Wasn't that such an amazing episode and really makes us think about how we can live fully awake to what God has for us right now in this very moment, instead of always looking to the future for the next big thing, because that's not what life is about. And I love this quote from the show where Anjali says, being awake has nothing to do with what you achieve, accomplish, or complete, but everything to do with connection to God, community, and others. And all of the links are in the show notes so you can connect with her. And I would love to connect with you at DaraSwift.com. And if you are looking for a speaker for your next women's event, I'm your girl. Check it out and let's connect. 
And I hope that you'll join me next time when I talk with another woman who's taking action where her passion, compassion, and conviction intersect. Until then, friend, have a blessed week, and I'll talk to you soon.